to the international community. We, the wives, mothers, sons and daughters of those men and women who are unjustly imprisoned after the recent massive wave of arrests against the peaceful dissidents of Cuba, ask for their solidarity and support for an international campaign demanding the immediate release of our relatives, who have been arrested for exercising freedom of expression and thought and for wanting to achieve reconciliation and respect for human rights in our beloved nation. That was a statement that went up in 2003 on the website of the Ladies in White. They're a group of Cuban women who chose to protest peacefully following the arrest of their relatives on politically motivated grounds. Representatives of the Ladies in White continue to be arbitrarily detained, usually for several hours each weekend, and solely for exercising their rights to freedom of expression and peaceful assembly. They remain one of the primary targets of repression by the Cuban authorities, and their arrests are often accompanied by severe beatings, both by law enforcement officials and state security agents. I used to live in Havana, near one of the ladies in white, and there was always state security outside her building dressed as civilians. When I was a little girl, I suffered a lot of discrimination because there are members of the opposition amongst my family too. At my age, many women have children, but I never wanted to have them because I don't want my children to live like this, with that restricted mentality and with imaginary boundaries that people can't cross. In 2017, Amnesty International recorded the testimonies of ordinary Cubans who made the decision to leave their country. This is the story of Samira, a cleaner who left Cuba after suffering violence at the hands of the authorities. To protect her anonymity, some of the identifying details have been changed and she has been given a pseudonym. I have a video from a pro-revolution parade. It was International Labor Day, which is the same type of parade that happens in any other country, except in Cuba, is mandatory. You have to turn up at 5 a.m. because they have a list and they force you to register. They tick off your name and then they tell you where to go for the march. They block the streets and they start playing the revolutionary music all day. They force the people from the universities and their schools to attend because if they don't go, they may not be able to continue their studies. The government manipulates the young people because they know people need this education. There are no private schools. Anyway, there was someone who got up in the biggest square in Havana, Revolution Square, when everyone was marching and pulled out a US flag. And he started running around the parade with that flag. It was crazy. He got beaten up. Yes, I have participated in opposition groups. A few years ago, a policeman gave me this injury. All the policemen are involved in those kinds of things. It was a police officer dressed as a civilian. All I can say is that he was doing his job. He was authorized. Everyone has his task, and his task was to beat up people who are against the government. I consider myself a dissident against the government's policies. But I never really got involved because I knew what I would be exposing myself to. My name would show up on some list. 
Everywhere in Cuba, there is someone watching you to inform the police about what we're doing, what we eat, how we sleep, they look in our trash. Everyone is monitored, and they know what we're planning to do because they are constantly watching over you. It's horrible. Who are you going to complain to? You can't do anything because you won't go anywhere. Many people have tried to go to court, but after that, they disappeared. But yes, if there was something that I needed to shout about, then I did. My injury is superficial, but what happened was very ugly and painful. It ended badly for me. But I don't want to talk about it because it could get me into trouble. The worst country I have to travel through was Venezuela. I got robbed. They took my money. I had to hide. I was in Venezuela for a couple of months because I didn't know how to leave. Many people dream about going to other countries and having material things. But nobody knows what we will have to confront when we leave Cuba. All the fears, the desperation, the ignorance, everything we have to deal with when we take a plane and we leave. That is, if you get the opportunity to leave, we are misled, rejected, discriminated against. And because all of that, there are people, even in my own family, that ask, why would you leave Cuba? The situation is not so bad here. I arrived in Tapachula, Mexico last year. And that same morning, I gave myself into the immigration center, voluntarily, to request asylum. But instead, I was detained. I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. Why am I here? I'm in prison. But I'm not a criminal, and I should not be treated that way. Looked at as if I was human trash. The only thing I did was to leave my country. There were 300 Cubans, men and women, and we began to bond together in solidarity. The other South Americans, they had told the day before that they will be returned to their country the next day so that they have time to prepare themselves. They have time to get a lawyer, but not Cubans, because everyone knows that no one wants to go back to Cuba. They come at 4 a.m., they turn on all the lights, and then they tell you that you have to wake up because you're going to be returned to Cuba. Within a month, they deported the majority of Cubans who were there. Any day they could wake you up. We were considering hunger strikes, praying to God, asking journalists to record our videos of our stories. We were there for almost three months. For some reason, my name was not on the list, and somebody came to help us contact Comar, the Mexican Commission to Help Refugees, and then I got out of the Migrants Detention Center. If other organizations like yours, like Comar, exist, I have a chance. Thank God there is a chance. The Cubans that are sent back will be sent straight to prison. They will not have the opportunity to find a job. They will be rejected. They cannot have a social life. How are they going to support themselves if they can't work? If I had to return to Cuba, even if I knew somebody who could help me by giving me a job, they couldn't help me because they would be told that they can't hire me. 
This isn't written in any law. It's like when the president said there are no prisoners detained for political reasons in Cuba. It's a lie. You don't believe that, do you? It's just something that's hidden. We're dissidents, oppositionists. We're the scars of the country. We don't get registered as criminals, but you do go to prison, even if they don't record it. I want to feel proud of myself. I don't care if I have to save the streets, as long as I can be free and proud of what I'm doing. I had been hoping to go to the USA. I envisioned the American dream, where I could have the opportunity to get my documents, healthcare, and many privileges that the USA offered Cubans. But now that those things don't exist anymore, I don't mind where I go. The priority for me is to have a job and to work. Even if it's hard at the beginning, I'll have to live that way. It's a lot better than the alternative. The ladies in white are women who are against the government. Mothers, women who have lost their children, their husbands, who were trying to fight against government's policies. And some of them died or are in prison. Because there, nobody cares if you're starving to death. If you're dying, you just die. When I lived near the ladies in white, one of them died. And I'm going to tell you how she died. She went to hospital for the flu. And the next day, she was dead. She went to hospital for the flu. Do I think there will be a change in Cuba? Maybe in a hundred years. But it will take a lot of courage. You have been listening to Samira's story, part of the Cuban Live series by Amnesty International. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.